Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings postcast. I'm Luke Braun. This is Sam Ekstrom. We're here to recap the Arizona Cardinals versus Minnesota Vikings preseason game. The losing streak continues to grow. 0-10. It's like the Twins in the playoffs. They can't win a preseason game. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. <laughs> it's uh, I, I I like the epic nature of it. Um, it's all Look, it's, they never it gives a starters. little humor, a little intrigue. I know people get on me for being the negative guy, but come on, have a little sense yeah. of humor about it. It's all right. Like, look, they're particularly secretive. They don't play any starters. It makes sense that they're like a worse version of themselves in the preseason than other teams are that, you know, will play starters sometimes and stuff. It is, it's interesting how just kind of that, that mentality in your head coach though, does actually impact the preseason results a lot. Like you would expect preseason games to be so much of a coin flip because of how much parody there is in the second sure, half. Yeah. But Hey, you get a Mike Zimmer out there. You win these games, I guess um, mm-hmm. you get a Kevin O'Connell in here. You, you don't. And that's not a knock on O'Connell whatsoever. Um, he's handling it probably the same way I would, if I was a head coach. Yeah, it makes total sense, and who cares, right? These don't count. Uh, But in terms of the actual game and what we saw and what was played, uh, what is your major takeaway? Tell me the headline, Sam. Yeah, I I thought there were roughly a dozen players, maybe 15 or so, uh, who entered this game on the bubble, either like, you know, Mm -hmm. last five in or or first five out, kind of right on the precipice of, being sure. rostered. And I thought most of those players played well, um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Like if you thought Jay Ward as a fourth round rookie was in some trouble, he Great had game. a really nice splash play in this game. He led the team in tackles. He did well. Um, TJ Smith played well. Luigi Villane played well. Um, Sheldon Day played well. I think Sheldon Day is like worked himself into that same tier as TJ Smith, Jaquel and Roy, guys like that. He might be a sneaky rostery here in the last few he, few weeks. He's put himself into my 53. I'll tell you that much. I'm doing that on Locked on Vikings on Tuesday. Yeah, and maybe we'll all be let down a la T.Y. McGill. But um, And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they didn't put Tristan Jackson in a ton of positions to make plays, but, you know, he made a catch and then had another really nice catch where he was just out of bounds. Um, Jalen Rager, a couple that nice catches. You got to get your yeah. toe down, man. Like... Yeah, got to know the sideline is. Got it. Got to drag it. But generally, um, I thought those that needed to perform well did perform well, and you know that to some extent includes Jaron Hall. I wish I could erase yeah. the fourth quarter um, a mm. little bit. That interception was pretty bad, but he showed some good things in this game too. And I think he's making the team. There's been some speculation that he wouldn't. I think Jaron Hall was always going to make the team, and I think I don't know if this performance even mattered that much to that quest i i just think that they want to give him the year um so i think he's on the team but showed showed some good things in this game as well for me the headline of the game is what a day for like the whole rookie class like all of day three you had jay ward had a great day i thought joe mm-hmm. roy was absolutely humming today um I think Jaron Hall did more good than bad. That interception at the end was a catastrophe. And then, of course, you know, you got to know you're over the line of scrimmage at the end. I know. Ben Sims would have had a huge play. What a beautiful throw that was, too. Like, what a fantastic play to get out of the pocket, buy a bunch of time, find him, throw a perfect strike. You got to know where the line is. (laughs) The thing is right next to you, man. He stepped up in the pocket. He stepped up, too. He was fine. Yeah. And then he it, did a which shuffle. I think he needed to do to do the to to deliver to the throw right. Power, yeah. 
but man, that thing is right. It's big and orange and it's right next to you, man. You're killing me. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> like that, I, I think more good than bad in his game. And I thought D.O.N. McBride had a really nice game. He's another one of those bubble guys. I think that I think he needed a, a big game and I think he gave it to us. So he made all the decisions hard, I think. Yeah, it probably did muddy the waters a little bit because now you're, you know, the guys that might have been out in your mind kind of work themselves back into the conversation. And um, McBride, you know, eight for 37, that probably his best of the three preseason performances for sure. Um, I Do you think Dykes or Smith have any shot whatsoever? Do you think they've put I themselves don't. on the bubble? I think Abram Smith has misread too many plays. I think it was kind of already over for it. Now, what's interesting is the way that they approached this was McBride, Smith, and Dykes, all three of them shifted over drive. So you had McBride mm-hmm. taking snaps in the fourth quarter. They did, like, did not have a clear depth chart between those three. Right. Um, and I think between those three, those were like McBride was far and away the best. I think Dykes is the, if, if we are going to have a surprise here, it's going to be Dykes, not Abram Smith. Um, but I think. Dwayne McBride did a great job of reading plays, hitting holes with authority and broke some tackles, made some things happen, caught a touchdown. That's supposed to be a thing for him, right? He can't catch. Well, he caught a touchdown. No, Um, that was, that was Smith. Oh, that was Abram Smith. Yeah. He caught one, didn't he? He had a rushing touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown, rushing touchdown to to start the game. Then Abram Smith. Oh, that is totally what I'm thinking. Had the, uh, Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, regardless, I still think McBride mm-hmm. had the best game of the three, if you were worried about that. Um, and what I think now it is just down to a numbers game of if you are going to have a fourth running back, it will be McBride. I think I don't think that is in question. I don't think I, I, I don't think it was like all that even to begin with. I, I think McBride just needed to not have a catastrophe and fumble three times. But it's going to be about. Are you going to keep a fourth one? Is Ken A. Wongwu going to be on the 53 to begin with, or are we doing pup things with him? Um, that might make the decision a little easier, but that's going to be kind of where it comes down to. It's just the numbers game. Yeah. L- last year, if it's any indication, they had incredible commitment to their draft class guys. Um, they probably could have cut Otomewo, Lowe, Naylor, even Muse. Like We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of steam that any of those guys right. were going to be big contributors but they held on to every single one um, they, and they still all, yeah they still have every single one yeah like they've they've been really committed to that class so i would right. sort of expect the same to be true when you've seen enough from certainly jaquel and roy um certainly jay ward i think and and ward's in a crowded room like i do wonder about like theo jackson's place and maybe jackson is the guy they sneak on the practice squad instead uh, of maybe. ward but Jackson um, getting in as the third safety with the Gervais guy that just came in feels like it bodes poorly for his roster odds, but it might, I mean, he was a practice squad guy last year, so you might just be doing that again. Yeah. And Gervais looks like a linebacker, but he's playing safety. It's uh yeah, 49 it's, is not working for him. No. Yeah. I was, yeah, there was a lot of number confusion for me in this game, but uh, yeah. I, I also confused junior Aho for Jonathan Bullard, I guess 73 and 93 just don't haven't clicked yet in here. Your three assist. Mo- moving on. Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's move right past that. Uh, So I guess like the roster competitions going in that were super interesting. I I think maybe the most interesting thing here is who played, who didn't. Right. Because there were some players who are, as far as we know, healthy and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, you know, this better than I do. But I believe like Najee Thompson was cleared. He was practicing full contact, right? 
he can't do that if he's still in protocol. No, no, he wasn't though. I don't think he was in oh, joints at all. Nope, he was off to the side. He was okay. Watching he was off in, to the side, so he might just still be unhealthy. He's um, still in the protocol. Yep. So that Brandon was, Powell did not. Brandon play. Powell was healthy. So healthy so scratch. That's so that feels healthy like scratch. he's in. And Jalen Ragor did yeah. play. He didn't play a lot. He played like the first couple of drives, same amount as like Andrew Booth played. Joe Juan Williams did not. Um. And you had some guys that feel like they're going to be on the roster that were playing the first like couple of drives. And then you get into, all right, now this mm-hmm. is, you know, CJ Colden and J- Jalen Williams for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, or I think one quarter. Yep. I, yeah. And again, I, I really only felt like there were after the, the key backups left in the first quarter, I only thought there were about 12 guys playing for the rest of the game that would be on this team. Some players right. like, you know, some rookies, they're playing for practice squad spots. I think it'd be actually sure. be a pretty compelling e- exercise to try to compile a 16 man practice squad of mm-hmm. all the internal candidates. I mean, you've got Lucky Jackson, Blake Prohl, Jacob Copeland, Ben Sims, like all of those linemen playing at the end too. didn't make a great case for themselves either. But a um, no. couple linemen are probably going to sneak through and, and it's been a little painful to watch them in second halves. Um, yeah, the, the second half scoring margin was not pretty for the Vikings at all this no. preseason. <laughs> but that that's a problem that tends to resolve itself because those those culpable can be sacked. Yeah, very true. Um, I was hoping for a little more from Thayer Thomas today. He's been my favorite practice squad guy all preseason, all training Muff camp. The punt return, I, that's rough. Yeah, you know, KJ Osborne struggled in that role as a rookie too, and he's been all yeah. right. I don't think Thayer is a special teams guy right now. I just think but that he's that, a really, really yeah. good like rookie receiving prospect that I want to keep around. That that might be a practice squad thing. We'll see if he can kind of I mean it's it's hard because I think the thing holding him back the most is just raw speed. Um he ran like a four five seven or something like that, and I think he plays honestly slower. But when in terms of fifty three man roster, look. You're not going to if you're not on special teams, you can't be wide receiver six. And that's the thing about Rager. What I believe the first team punt gunners will be is Najee Thompson and Jalen Rager. And if they decide they aren't going to keep Thompson just for special teams, which I don't know if they can justify. But if they are going to do that, then it gets to be. And you've got Rager on the team Then it sounds like I've got six wideouts right now. Yeah. Um, And I'm I, I decided to do that instead of keeping Nick Muse. Um, I'll, I want to rethink that after I watch the rest of this game, it seemed like he had some, some good moments. He, again, he only played a quarter similarly. So we'll, we'll see if I still feel that way, but I kind of decided, you know what? I think Rager and Powell have both been more consistent than Muse. And ultimately it's like, whatever, four tight ends, six wide receivers, whatever. I think I want to keep those two guys over, over Muse. And those two guys have, I think made more substantial contributions to special teams in terms of being the returner, being the gunner. It's been pretty negative on Rager, I think, ever since last year, right? Like last year was the Colts game. Yeah, the, the Col- Colts game soured people. Then it soured mm-hmm. people again when they watched the documentary. Calling it like I see it, I think he's had a representative training camp. Um, if yeah. you didn't have the sour taste, if you had just acquired him and he was showing what he's shown, I think people would be decently kind of pumped about that. Um, and he's shown up in each preseason game he's made a couple plays and he made a mm-hmm. couple plays today so maybe they were trying to showcase him maybe they worked all week to install a couple oh, Jalen Rager plays just to put it on tape but he has not been bad at all I think Powell's been better and utilized in more versatile ways um but I think if if you wanted to make Rager your six that's a fine argument 
And, and I think, yeah, five or six between those two, but I think I'm keeping both. That's the, the key here. I have a spicy question for you, Sam, but before I ask it, it is fantasy football season. And that means it's time to go to underdog fantasy and try a best ball. It's a great way to warm up. If you haven't had your draft yet, or if you just kind of have that, that fantasy draft fever and you want to do one, uh, a best ball is a great way to do it. It is a uh, live snake draft, just like any other. However, it is your team with no trades, no waivers, and your lineups are set for you all year. So you're not joining another league and doing the time commitment of that. It's just fire and forget. So it's a great way to get a draft in. And hey, you can join the Underdog Fantasy Best Ball Mania Tournament, which is a $15 million prize pool. Three mil goes to the winner. And last year, the winner drafted their team all the way back in July. So get on it. You can get go to underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. Sam, I have a spicy question. Whether or not today's events influenced this, who do you think the Viking is that is most likely to get traded away to another team on cut down day or around it? Okay. Well, not I, cut. I did, traded, traded. Well, I did just allude to Jalen Rager. Um, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, what they what they give up for Rager? Fifth? Uh, I, I think a fifth in total value because all the picks were delayed. But it turned into a fifth. It was a seventh last year, and it became a fifth in the twenty twenty four draft. Okay, but because that was like two years after you did it, it like yeah, the, the charts kind of treat that as less. I was just wondering if they could get positive value from that acquisition but i don't think they can um no, you know they can recoup was, a lot of it though i mean it's all day three stuff so it's it's pennies for nickels there was speculation with the trey lance stuff which is now dead um that they would <laughs> trade away a pass rusher you know uh, a patrick jones or a dj wanham i, I, I don't saw that have, that albright I, thing yeah yeah it didn't come to fruition i don't think they have a lot of value either i think um you know they would they would have like future conditional seventh round value do you have someone in mind? Because I would like to, if you've thought two. this through. Okay. Let's I got two. One is less spicy than the other. I think there is a possibility we see it with Ole Udo. I think Ole Udo has had a fairly poor preseason in total. Uh, but he's on a veteran benefit contract, which is a weird contract thing where he's actually making $2.5 million, but he counts for the veteran minimum against the salary cap. And I believe the way that works is if you cut him, then you have to pay the entire 2.5 million on the salary cap um as as like dead cap but if you trade him i think that money goes away so i think it might be a jesse davis ish situation where his contract makes him kind of uncuttable but you might be able to flip him for a conditional 2025 seventh or something like that um and then the other guy is because of that pass rusher thing just got in my head and i kind of thought you know what DJ Wanham's an interesting piece because I think you can get something real for him. Like I, I and by really? real, I mean, you know, not a conditional seventh. I think you could get it like a, a fourth or a fifth, you know, some Trey Lance, uh, <laughs> a, a Trey Lance sized package for him. Um, you know, the second Trey Lance sized package, <laughs> but because the Vikings have Luigi Villan, who I thought had a really nice day. Uh, they have Patrick Jones, who I think has been really solid all of camp. And then of course, Hunter and Davenport as the actual starters. There is a bit of a redundancy. And if there's a lot of roster pressure, that could be one way to relieve it and then recoup some of the day three capital that they're missing in 2024. I don't know. What do you think of either of those guys? 
I would not mind parting with either. Oliudo has been underwhelming. Um, and I don't frankly think you would miss him that much. I think redundancy is the word. I think Blake Brandle, even though he's been training at guard, he can play a tackle position. Vidarian Lowe has outshined Ole Udo. So you've got your two swing tackles right there. Um, as far as DJ Wanham is concerned, I I guess I'm not I'm I don't see quite the same value you do. I think maybe there's something there. I guess a fourth or a fifth would surprise me a little bit if teams are like kind of digging into his resume and kind of, you know, the first two years weren't very good at all. Maybe they're pumped about his step forward last year in the three, four, and they it's think kind of what I'm thinking, fit. but yeah, yes, it is. He would, it's a one he would year have shown out more if it weren't for Hunter and Zadarius mm-hmm. Smith, all both being healthy, you know? Yeah. It's, and if there's a team that feels like they lack depth, maybe they see Wanham as a, as a just plug and play third or fourth pass rusher. Um, not impossible. I, I do think fourth or fifth is high in my opinion, but sure. I sixth or seventh, then I guess I wouldn't mourn parting with them. And if I wouldn't mourn parting with them, other teams might not see a lot of value there, but I'm not an NFL decision maker or coach. It's interesting. He's been treated like the same way Josh Metellus has been treated. I don't think he's played any preseason snaps at all. Uh, and he's been kind of the very clear third guy in Correct. a world where I thought there would actually be more of a competition between him and Patrick Jones for that. Um, so they clearly have a plan. I don't know. It just feels like there is weird roster pressure. So I'm looking for, okay, where are there too many guys? And maybe instead of cutting one, you try to get a draft pick for one. Well, but the, I, the lanes made it an easier choice. hundred percent. Yeah. He's given you, yeah. Sort of that like luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be interesting. I do think Quasey will do some trading at the end here. Um, is there anybody else that we haven't highlighted yet that you would like to to call out as having an interest? You know who we haven't talked about yet? Andrew Booth, right? Yeah, and he got the first quarter treatment, right? Yeah. He made an appearance, and then... Same and as Muse and, Udo, and uh, Vidarian Lowe, who went out of the game before Udo did, by the way. I, I think that Booth is part of an injury prone group that is very young and you can't like for, for the injury prone reason, I don't think you can afford to just like get rid of a corner that has the upside that he does. Um, and for the youth reason, I think you have to give some of these guys time to grow a little yeah. bit more. I, I, I think that you've assembled a group that doesn't have a lot of surefire things. Byron Murphy, that's the most surefire corner you have. The rest of them are all just young. They've been kind of banged up. They're trying to like make their name for themselves. And Booth is, even though he doesn't have momentum right now, he's part of that. Like he's part of this youth movement. Give him the year with Flores, you know, and and see what happens with it. The, and yeah, another he's another guy that's been speculated to be cut by some. I don't see it. I think you got to see it through for at least another year. He is healthy right now. Um, mm-hmm. And you're going to need cornerback depth. And I don't see a lot of quality depth. So at least keep the second round pick around to to be right. that guy. So so if he has to play, at least he's learning something. I, I think if you're cutting Booth, you're doing it so you can keep a guy like Theo Jackson. And I don't really see that. Um, but you have, I mean, I don't think Booth will dress on game days if he makes the team. That's kind of where he, he is cornerback five very solidly. 
Uh, and if he's not going to play on special teams and Najee Thompson is, then Thompson gets to be CB5 on actual game days um, until someone gets hurt. I don't know if that's the case, which kind of tells me, OK, well, wh- why is he here when we got all this roster pressure and everywhere else? But I think I'm with you in that it I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I still see enough of the athleticism in particular, the flexibility that is that tells me, you know, if, if he can learn to do a little less and react a little less to you know, small moves on the release. If he can just be yep. a little bit more patient and trust his recovery ability a little bit more, then I think he can start to take the steps forward that he needs to take. But make no mistake about it. We found out today he's behind Joan Williams on that depth chart. And of course, he's behind the other three guys too. And where that puts him is going to be really interesting. And I, I don't want to say that Najee Thompson is a full guarantee right now either, because all he does is special teams. I mean, he's, I think they have to, if you looked at the way that those punt gunners played today without him on the field, it was catastrophic. I don't think they have anybody nearly as good on the team. And I think if you're the best at something by that margin, you got to be on the team. That's an asset. Uh, but that that's how I would play it. Not necessarily a prediction. Um, but yeah, I, I think He's going to have to Booth is going to be a a guy who takes the year off and that's okay. Uh, unless, you know, a lot of guys get hurt, but I I'm with you in that. I'm not ready to call it quits. It's, it's one thing yeah. to say, I can't use you right now. It's another thing to say, I can't use you right now. And I don't think there's a future for you. So if you're slicing up the cornerback pie in week one, you've probably got, you're giving all the snaps to Byron Murphy Mm-hmm. All the snaps to Caleb Evans. Slot Blackman comes in as a nickel. So and, and let's say let's say the thirty five percent of the slot duties go to uh, Murphy, right? So you've got Blackman coming in for forty percent, and Metellus maybe for the other twenty five for whenever they're in big nickel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way they've played it in camp. So that seemed whatever. I, I think the actual percentages will probably vary a lot game to game, depending on what kind of tight ends they're scared of. Um, and then I think when you go to dime, you just have both of those guys. So you have your three corners and your three safeties. And if they want a bigger package in dime, they can take Blackman off and put scene in. I think that's going to be something that they might do in, in strange situations. If they come up against like super spread teams or something like that. Uh, but that'll be a little bit more niche. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm excited to see how they're all deployed, though, especially the Saints. Yes. Um, and we saw some of the Brian Flores blitz stuff. They lined up in their their Bengal package, which is what they were annihilating. If you saw uh, those blitzes, free rushers all over the place, that's what we were seeing all of camp and what Kirk Cousins was getting so frustrated at because they couldn't practice because everything was cover zero, blitzing eight, maybe some sim pressure. Um, and we saw the good and the bad of it. We saw Jay Ward get that big sack fumble. And then we saw that, uh, a, a play where they didn't get home and Jalen Williams gets beat for a touchdown. That's going to be the world we live in. That's where we're at now. Um, and the next time we get to see it is week one after which Sam and I will of course be doing this again. We'll be here on the postcast. I see there are like over a hundred of you watching right now. I am so grateful. Thank you all so much. If you do miss it live, you can of course catch it on the Locked On Vikings audio feed and on Locked On Minnesota Sports on YouTube, of course, which is where we're streaming live. You can always watch the the video on demand there. And you can find me and Sam on the Minnesota Football Party. Sam is on that every single day. I'm on it with him Mondays and Thursdays. For Sam Ekstrom, I am Luke Braun. Hope you all enjoyed the preseason. It counts now. See you next time.